0: Hi strangers, welcome to season two of Iroh's Corner. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Iro's Corner is a space where I invite some of my favorite people and companies to come have some tea and share stories because we agree with Uncle Iroh that
1: sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights.
0: Today we're joined by Cian Cosell, owner of Farmhouse Teas. I recorded this episode in February with Cian, and since then, I've drank almost all of the tea from the big order I placed after our interview. When you talk about tea for an hour, you have to order more, right? Don't say I didn't warn you if this episode leads to tea purchases. Cian and family have built a thriving e-commerce business, and I love getting to dig into this story after being a follower for a few years. So put the kettle on, steep some of your favorite tea, and I'm glad you're joining our conversation. Hi, Cianne. Welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. So glad that you're here. I was just telling Cianne before we pressed the record button that I have been hearing about her for such a long time. So many good things from both our first guest, Kayla, at Kayla Joy Creative, and then from uh, Laura Ellis at Mount Hope Farms. And I've also sometimes been drinking on the show farmhouse teas so today we finally get to have cn with us and i'm so happy about that and i would love if you could just start out by telling us a little bit about farmhouse teas
1: sure thing we're a small family business located in northwest oregon just in the foothills of the cascade mountains and we hand blend loose leaf tea on our small two acre farm here um it's a whole leaf tea So there's no tea bags, it's just loose leaf. And we try and make sure there's no junk in anything and that we're using local ingredients from other small farms. As you mentioned, Mount Hope Farms, we use some of their berries in a few of our teas. And then we do um, sort of apothecary type mixes and salves and uh, anything you would need to grow your own herbal tea.
0: Excellent. And I like to have this at the beginning of the episode, just so that it's, you know, not buried. Is there anything kind of exciting that you want to share coming up later this year? Um, And then also, how can people find you, follow you, engage with you and stay up to date?
1: Sure. Um, This year, we're focused on streamlining processes and adding help. So our business kind of took off and. 2020, right after um, COVID hit. And that brought my husband home to work. And so we were kind of keeping the ship afloat for the last couple of years. And this year, with all the growth, we're managing all those processes and adding help to kind of take care of the load. In the future, um, I really want to focus on our educational arm of the business. So we have another uh, website called Grow Create Sip, and that's our educational arm. We have one online class there and a membership area. And I'd really like to build up the community over there and not just blend tea for people to buy, but teach them how to grow their own. So um, other than growcreatesip.com, where our blog is and our courses are, our tea can be found at farmhouseteas.com. And then we're also on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram as Farmhouse Teas, as well as Gab. Seems like there's one more spot I'm forgetting. <laughs> Maybe I'll think of it here in a bit. <laughs>
0: That's all right. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And you you have great content and recipes. And I was uh, part way through your kombucha class earlier, so oh, yes. there's lots of really good good content to be
1: had. Yeah, we have the free kombucha. Workshop um, because we do blend uh, kombucha teas for base teas and flavoring kombucha. And later on this year, hopefully, we'll be adding a full fledged kombucha course, um, like our tea blending course. Very cool. And getting into the story
0: behind farmhouse teas in 2014, you decided to move out of the city and move to. The farm. And I love if you could just share
1: about that process and what then led you to found Farmhouse Teas. Sure. Um, as you said, we lived in the city, we were renting a tiny. Little duplex or my dad. He has a rental business. Um, before that, we had three acres and we were buried in debt. And so we decided to sell that and rent this little duplex so that we could pay off all of our debt. Um, in the process of doing that, we did pay off all of our debt. But um, we also adopted our third child, so we have four children. They're all adopted, and the third one we adopted from Bulgaria. And when we moved to the duplex, we only had two kids, and now we have three kids in this tiny duplex and grow the two older ones are boys. And so they were getting older. We homeschooled. They were in the duplex all of the time and the yard was getting really small. And so we decided to start looking for more land. But in the process of being at the duplex, um, I discovered my love of gardening. So I don't particularly have a green thumb. In fact, I kill almost everything that's inside the house. But <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly what spurred me out. I was into learning about herbs and stuff and I ordered some just this random packet of seeds. It was like a discounted thing. You know, you get their, their things that won't sell in a bundle for really cheap or whatever and got into square foot gardening in the duplex. And so my tiny yard was mostly a garden <laughs> and there was this packet of seeds and that mix that were called calendula flowers. And those things grew really, really, really well, even with my brown thumb. And so I had all of these calendula flowers. I had to figure out what to do with them. And so I started making tea with them. I started making salve with them. They're really good for the skin and finding all sorts of things to make. And then I had so many of these things that I made that I started gifting them. And then I had even more than I could gift. And so it kind of turned into farm what is now farmhouse teas and then when we moved to the farm I had way more space to garden <laughs> and so I had even more stuff I could grow and use for that stuff. Yeah wow that's
0: it gives me hope for myself as someone who kills all the indoor plants that maybe I can <laughs> right. grow outdoor plants yeah, like maybe outside. there's hope for me.
1: <laughs> right. right. So when we moved to the farm we added our fourth adopted child to our family. And um, three of our four children have special needs. And we were finding that a couple of them at least are probably going to be with us as adults. And so we really needed something for them to do um, where there was people that loved them and knew their struggles and would take care of them without taking advantage of them as sometimes happens with special needs people. Um, And so we wanted to create some sort of a business. So we tried several businesses over the years. I don't even know how many now, but we decided on herbs because of my newfound love of gardening, but also I've struggled with my health for all 40 years of my life. And that kind of led me to the whole food movement and then to gardening and then to homesteading. And so all of those things together just kind of meshed and turned into St. Fiocra's farm which is our original business name. It's actually our legal business name and then later turned into Farmhouse Teas. Oh, wow. And then you started at, you started selling these...
0: Was, did you start with tea blends or what did you start with when you went to the farmer's market?
1: Um, we had some tea blends and or, uh, salves, which is like a hard lotion in a tin. It's usually medicinal of some sort. So um, like badger salve, um, you might find at the store or... Mm -hmm. Um, Arnica, um, it'd be like old school Neosporin type stuff. So we started out with those. Um, we quickly went to loose leaf teas because when we took these salves to the market, they're oil and wax based and we're outside in the middle of the summer heat. And Mm. I think it was like the first or second time I had them tilted on their side, displayed all pretty in the metal tin, attracted all that summer heat and melted them and they ruined the labels and went all over the place. And I thought, well, that's not cool. (laughs) I like those teas better. They don't do stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Wow. And what was the initial reception at the in the farmer's market environment?
1: It was okay. It was a little tough. And I don't you know, I don't have experience with markets across the country. And so I can only really speak to the ones here and specifically just to the main one that we went to. A lot of people came more for the experience of walking around and having lunch than they did for buying. Um, But initially, there was more interest in the teas because they could see tea and they know what it is. And a salve is a little harder concept for most people. It's not something that everybody uses or at least knows by that name. Right.
0: And I believe most your business is now online. So, how did you kind of transition from farmers markets to to getting mostly online?
1: Right. So, with the farmers market, um, we also had an Etsy shop. I think a lot of crafters probably start there on Etsy. It appears to mm. be easier. You don't have to build a website. Hopefully you get some random traffic, but we found there on Etsy, we still had to drive the traffic to our Etsy shop. It didn't just show up because we were on Etsy. And so we ended up creating our own website and figured if we were going to drive traffic, we'd keep all the traffic on our own website. Um, and then over time, we had made it into some larger local grocery stores and we ended up cutting those back. We found them to be a lot of work. It was taking me off the farm a lot um, to the bigger cities to go do meetings and to do inventory. And then um, we found out that the grocery stores were a lot like Etsy. The traffic didn't necessarily just show up and buy the tea. So we had to go do sampling or we had to pay someone to be there for hours to sample tea and maybe sell a little bit here and there. And we were mm-hmm. finding our online sales were actually starting to exceed the sales that we made locally. And I thought to myself while sitting at the farmer's market for six or seven hours or at the grocery store for three hours, if I was at home and I put effort that much time and effort into online, I could probably have a lot more sales in less time. And so we um, gently made the move to online we cut out Etsy altogether. We gave up the grocery stores fairly quickly and then hesitantly we gave up the market because we Felt like that was our best option, even though we really weren't making money there once we panned out how much time we were spending. And um, we also cut back our biggest craft fair, which was with Etsy. They do local events and we just took the dive. And that was about that was 2018 or 2019. So maybe early 2019. Seems like maybe there was another year and we didn't do the market. So a year or two before the pandemic hit and we moved everything online and we started working with um, influencers in the homesteading community like the Prairie Homestead, Melissa K. Norris, um, homesteading family, along with other bloggers and vloggers on YouTube. And they became some of our best promoters and have sent us probably the bulk of our traffic to our website.
0: Wow. And so did you were you just reaching out and and sending samples initially? Is that is that kind of how you would get these connections started?
1: Yeah, um, it's really about. Finding, being in the places that the influencers are in. So, you know, start with watching their YouTube channels or reading their blog or getting their email. And then um, just like with our customers, we just look for a way to serve the influencers, a way to help them. How does our product solve a, a, a problem for them? How can our product be a solution? So we do that with our customers, too. So say one of our customers is like me and can't drink coffee. What options can we give them that cause the least amount of stress and switching? And so we have a coffee replacement that we sell. So it's the same with the influencers. You know, what what thing do they need that we could give them? So for an example, we work a lot with homesteading family. They've got a big YouTube channel and they teach a course on herbalism and they wanted a herbal kit to go with their class and they didn't want to have to ship it and they didn't wanna have to find all of the ingredients and yet they wanted something that was tailored just for their students. And so we ended up setting that up for them because we're set up processing all of that stuff in our tea studio and their customers were also into tea so it was really a win win there. Yeah, wow, that's super cool.
0: And I want to circle back to you mentioned the previous name for Farmhouse Teas and I I heard mm-hmm. you kind of tell more of that story on another podcast. I wonder if you could tell us about, you know,
1: deciding to to transition the the formal name of the the tea. So our legal name is St. Fiocra's Farm and that's actually what our farm name started as and Fiacre is French um, in France these days, it means taxi driver, but it comes from a priest who was a saint and he was given a plot of land and the bishop or whoever was ahead of him or in charge of giving the land out that you can have as much land as you can dig up um, in a certain amount of time. And so by way of a miracle, he took his staff and he dug up this giant area of land and that was his hermitage. And then he would have people show up and he would heal them using herbs. And so we had just closed down another business um, where we supplied uh, catholic homeschoolers with um, educational material and so this seemed like the perfect fit for us because we were going to help people with herbs and the story meant a lot to us um but what we found out was that french is really hard to pronounce and to spell <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know it it would look like fee acres because people are thinking farm um mm-hmm or they wouldn't want to say it because it was embarrassing because they didn't think they'd be able to get it out right. And so there was this roadblock to people, one, being able to even spell it to look us up online, which is not good for marketing. (laughs) And then just, you know, people being embarrassed because they don't understand um, how to say it. And it also didn't really say what we did. It said we were a farm. And when we moved to our little two acre farm, We didn't really have anything we were focused on. So at the time, it didn't didn't seem like a big deal. But once we found our niche in the tea arena, um, it didn't make sense to keep that name. And especially being online, there was no way anyone was going to just type in our web address and get it spelled right. And so we thought about it a long time and decided that, well, we were getting involved in the homesteading community and we blend the tea here in our house. So why not? Farmhouse teas. Awesome. That's so
0: great. It's a simple, effective.
1: Uh, Effective name. That's
0: really cool. And that also makes me think back to the to the early days of you. I'm wondering how you kind of taught yourself to create these herbal teas and teas. Like, was it was it you? Were you picking things in your your garden and then like letting them dry and then just trying to blend them together? Were you doing Internet research or books or how were you figuring all of that out to create your first
1: blends? All of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there was that initial garden stuff to use. And then I'd look at things that I was already buying and using from the store and look at the back and go, well, it can't be that hard to figure it out or look up a copycat recipe. Um, I think the first tea I blended was a nursing tea. Um, Our fourth adopted child was our only infant adoption. We were at the hospital there when she was born. And I had really hoped to be able to nurse her Um, And there is ways to induce lactation, but it's very difficult for someone who's never actually given birth. But I was determined to try anyway. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was buying this nursing tea and I was drinking. You have to drink a lot of it. And it was just getting really expensive. And I went, well, this is ridiculous. So I started digging into figure out how I make my own. And, you know, just kind of experimented until it was close to the one that I was buying. And so that tea is really the one that kicked it off. But just I do a lot of research. Ask my husband, he calls me the mad scientist. (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of digging and researching. I look at what other people are doing. I've taken teas from the grocery store and flipped over the box. And knowing that those ingredients on the list are ordered by weight, which is a legal thing that we have to do on our teas. Mm -hmm. That gives me an idea of Well, there's, you know, about this much of this and this much of that. And we can just, you know, taste it and adjust from there. So a lot of research and a lot of experimenting. Yeah. Wow. I'm also wondering how
0: you kind of landed at your... Your packaging and both the packaging of the tea and then your just e commerce, the boxing and unboxing and the tissue paper you use, it's all very, very intentional. And I'm imagining you took a similar Mm -hmm. kind of scientific approach to developing that. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you've crafted this experience of someone, you know, getting your teas in the mail and how you landed on the different items in there.
1: Yeah, sure. We refer to all that stuff as our secret sauce. And my family calls me the secret sauce boss.
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> so they haven't got me a shirt yet, but maybe someday. Um, so that also was just kind of a process over time. Um, we bootstrapped our business. So we started with, you know, the most affordable, um, low impact options to begin with, and then slowly worked our way. So they didn't all show up at one time. But um, the boxes, we actually started with just brown bubble mailers and some white boxes from a local shipping store and a custom stamp. So every once in a while, we're still stamping a few boxes that are different sizes. Um, and then eventually, my husband's elbow was getting tired of stamping boxes because our business had grown so much. we <laughs> were like, we need to have somebody print these for us because... We just can't st- spend all of our time stamping all these boxes. So I think in a month we do maybe, well, it depends on the month. December can get kind of nutty, but anywhere from three to 500 packages. So you can imagine you would need someone to sit there and stamp boxes all day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So the boxes we order and I designed them um, before we had them printed. So um, if anyone hasn't seen them, it's, They have, um, they're mostly black and white and they have our logo on it. And then they have um, just the traditional farm theme to everything. So like old school, like farming, maybe a hundred years ago and you've got chickens and you've got quotes on there and. It's just kind of a fun little box. And then our tissue inside kind of matches. It's that retro black and white print. And all of these things that we do kind of came from other products that I've used. And there was some piece about that product that really struck me. Um, So like the boxes, the idea kind of came from like a subscription box. And a lot of those will be custom and cute and say little things. Um, The tissue paper came from their is a clothing store that they don't have physical stores anymore. I don't think called Christopher and Banks. And I'm sure other stores do this too. Mm -hmm. But they would wrap the clothes that you bought up in tissue paper and put a little sticker on them. And at some point before the pandemic, they quit doing that. And then they just shove it in a plastic bag like any other store. And I was so disappointed. I'm like, hey, where'd my, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my tissue paper go? And they also had, instead of plastic bags, they had paper bags like gift bags. They look like gift bags with mm-hmm. nice handle. And I felt special. And then they quit doing right. that. And I'm like, well, where'd it go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to do that to my box. <laughs> I'm going to put tissue in there. And and then we add a sample of loose leaf tea in every order. And that came from a friend of mine that does or used to, she does anymore, uh soap. She made soap and she would always give a soap sample in her order. And I thought, well, that's smart. Then they get to try out a different kind. And then we also put in um, a postcard with a recipe on the back. So on the opposite side from the recipe is our a really short story of us and, you know, our social media and our website and all that. So you can find us again later. But that recipe is just something extra for our customers that might help them use what it is that they're buying to make them more successful in their tea selection. And I got that idea from another soap company that, not a friend of mine, but just one I know of online, and they would send a postcard kind of introducing themselves in their, in the orders that they sent out. So I just kind of pull and pick pieces that I see around that strike me as useful or important or um, just make the experience that more exciting. So I'm always looking for the next thing. I'm not done with the secret sauce yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's an ever-changing recipe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny. I I like to save I don't know what I'm gonna do with them, but I will save cool boxes that I get right. in the mail. Like right. I like the color scheme, or I like the little insert, and I'm like, this uh-huh. just feels
1: too cool to so to get rid of. <laughs> right. I know the first time I had Canva print something for me, it came in this cool box, and I got—I don't remember. There was a sticker, and I think it was a market bag or something, you know. And I'm like, oh, I got like all these extras. That's so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that ex- that extra experience level really adds
1: something. Well, and I feel like it shows how much we care that it gets there looking nice and neat And tidy because I've had some companies I order from, and their product looks really great, and it is really great, but they didn't like finish finish it off when they shipped it. They just chucked it in whatever bag or box they had and sent it in the mail. Sometimes it was dented and damaged, and I just feel like if Mm -hmm. I'm going to put all that time and care into the actual product, I want to make sure it gets there looking as nice as possible, and that you're not just fishing it out of a bunch of packing peanuts or you know some place I get stuff from they shred cardboard and use that as their packing material it's kind of strange (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it feels much less personal too right it just leaves an off feeling when you get something kind of wonky like oh you know yeah yeah you're you have really
0: nailed the that you definitely have found the secret sauce on on the the mailing and packaging so I think that's super cool For the first time ever, we're going to take a quick break from our normal questions because we have a new sponsor for Iro's Corner called Prompted Moments, and it's a company started by my friend. and the The first product is they're these cards to connect, is what they're called, and it's it's two sets of cards. You have one for yourself, one for a friend, and you get a, you each have the same prompt, and you know, like card number one. And then you each write your card and then they have the stamps on them and everything. And then you just drop it in the mail to each other. And I've been doing them with a couple different friends. And so she gave us some of her prompts from the cards to, you know, prompt each other essentially on the podcast. So our little, you know, prompted question of the day that uh, I chose from her list was, what moments in your life have you always enjoyed celebrating? And I'll we'll both answer this one. So I'll let you answer first
1: and then I can answer. Sounds good. This one was really easy for me. <laughs> I love it. Go yeah, for it. I love holidays and feast days, especially Christmas. So I like decorating for everything. As a child, I would like totally decorate my whole entire bedroom for every holiday. And my mom would tease me because you know, I mentioned I've had health issues for my 40 years, but she would tease me that the only reason I got sick was so I could go to, to the doctor's office and see what the decorations were for each season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you love you love doing putting all the, the decorations and all the pulling out all the stops for for all the holidays that come up
1: everything it's kind of died off a little with kids and a business and stuff so it's not as intense as it used to be but (laughs) i secret sauce Mm -hmm. the holidays
0: (laughs) there we go i love it i would have to say for me i'm in a similar category but i have i i would end up choosing valentine's day which just happened but valentine's Mm -hmm. day is my favorite holiday it always has been since i was a kid like whether it was you know making valentine cards for everyone and you know every place that i've worked i'll i'll stay up the night before and make macarons or rice crispy treats and do Mm -hmm. even as an adult I'll do little Charlie Brown Snoopy Valentines and write them to everyone (laughs) and I get really into it because I just I love Valentine's Day and like this year I'm not you know as of right now like I'm not really at a in a company environment. So I just went to the store and wandered around looking at all the the (laughs) Valentine cards and the decorations and Mm -hmm. just soaked it in because there's just something about all the happy, bright colors. And also, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times Valentine's Day bums people out and that I take that as a challenge of, all right, let's let's make it fun. Like, let's ignore the fact that, you know, it can be kind of a bummer and let's try to have some some fun and find some cheer. Mm -hmm. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, I, that was our thanks for for participating in our first yeah. little prompt and moment break. <laughs> <laughs> Prompted Moments has created a special deal just for Iroh's Corner listeners. You can use code T30, that's T-E-A-30, for 30% off your entire purchase at promptedmoments.com. That's the word prompted without the E, moments.com, to transform staying in touch into meaningful moments. So I would like to kind of talk a little bit about kombucha because our Mm -hmm. listeners have heard some of my kombucha trials. I drink a lot of kombucha from the store. I'm Mm -hmm. good at that part, the buying and the consuming. (laughs) And then I have tried to brew a lot of batches and I'm really good at making really large scobies, just Uh so (laughs) massive, but I, I'm not great at the um, the flavor and the carbonation, uh-huh. and so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about getting into kombucha brewing. And you mentioned earlier that you have your kombucha blends. Just learn a little bit more about right. that, and then you know maybe you've got some secret, um, some other secret sauce that you could share here. Or maybe as I go through the course, maybe I'll figure out what I'm or you know your your starter <laughs> right. little class what I'm doing wrong. But you know we got to talk about kombucha for
1: sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, kombucha is definitely its own monster. So, a lot of it has to do with timing, and I'm not fabulous at that. So, I don't have the most consistent brew going. I have some right now that probably needed bottled a while ago. (laughs) So, I'm expecting Uh it to maybe not taste as sweet as we would like it. So, timing is the biggest thing because that's going to affect your sweet levels. So, you avoid that sour vinegar, and then it's also going to affect your fizz because the reason that kombucha fizzes is that there's a, um, the yeast and probiotics in there, they eat the sugars and they let off a gas. And so the gas is creating the bubbles in there. And so if they don't have anything to eat, they just kind of Get sleepy and lazy, and they don't do anything, and so you end up with a non fizzy kombucha. So, mm-hmm. those are generally the biggest issues. There's lots of things you can do to work around that, um, and ways you can reuse that um, kombucha if it's too sour or flat, ways you can kind of wake it up a little bit if it's not too far gone. So, um, I if I don't catch it quite when I'd like to, so if you're gonna bottle it to flavor it, um, I really need to catch it before it's quite all the way ready, so it's going to be maybe sweeter than you would expect so that there's still some sugar in it. So when you bottle it, the the carbonation can build up in the bottle. Um, If it's a little past that, which is usually where I catch it because kombucha will um, ferment faster or slower based on the temperature in the house. And so like summertime Mm -hmm. is really hard to contain it and it'll go really fast. Wintertime, it's a little slow. Right now I have Christmas lights wrapped around my kombucha container to keep it from getting too cold because we heat with wood heat. (laughs) And so at night there's Not a whole lot of heat to keep the thing alive. So Christmas Mm -hmm. lights it is. So (laughs) what do you find is your biggest... Um, concern with getting it flavored? Are you not sure what to flavor it with? Or are you not feeling like you get the right flavor combinations? Yeah, I think I'm trying to, well, timing is definitely an issue
0: because I set the alarms and then I'm like, oh, it'll make it another day. Oh, mm-hmm. it's been two days. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, So timing is definitely an issue. And then, yeah, figuring out what to flavor. And I haven't I haven't brewed any since I discovered your flavor packets. So maybe Mm -hmm. that will be also a game changer for me. But yeah, I'm like, what do I I tried some, you know, like putting some brewed in or putting some, you know, herbs that I had. And I just everything I was just like, this just tastes kind of weird. And, you know, I think (laughs) I needed to be more scientific about it, Mm -hmm. maybe make some notes or something. And I struggled with the carbonation. It just was always really flat. So I think I was leaving it too long, um, you know, kind of based on what you're saying, just, you know, all the sugar was gone. There was nothing left for, for
1: them to eat right well carbonation affects the flavor quite a bit so if it goes flat even the stuff at the store it just doesn't taste very good when it goes flat um so you can add a little sugar to the bottle you want to be careful with that um because you've got it contained there in an airtight bottle you put too much in there and it gets too fizzy and it'll blow the top off of the thing but mm-hmm. <laughs> i've not had that happen on its own so <laughs> if you do have it fizzy you want to put it in the fridge overnight like 24 hours so it can kind of chill out before you go pop the top open because I did that I think with my first one I didn't put it in the refrigerator it was just sitting on the counter and I went to open it and it popped the lid off and it just came fizzing out all over the place and sometimes that stuff will spray up in the air so you really gotta be careful <laughs> open it over Wear safety goggles <laughs> yeah now thankfully those gloss bottles and the ones that people use for fermenting have the lid attached by the little metal on the sides; they don't the lid doesn't tend to go flying off but um Uh you have to watch for that when it is fizzy but it's kind of temperamental you really have to kind of baby it i kind of wonder at the ones at the store what they do to contain them so consistently and well they have some tactic they use in the commercial world to do that (laughs) Uh so with flavors i just started out with whatever i was drinking at the store and remaking it kind of just like I did with blending tea. I go, well, I like this one, so we'll start there. So, and I have to say that to people. If you aren't sure you want to make kombucha, try it at the store first. And it's not always the best example because there's lots of brands and they aren't all fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, or you get a flavor you didn't like and then you're like, I don't like kombucha. But there's like a bazillion flavors. So um, if you can find one you like. Um, I used to be a fan of Brew Doctor. Kombucha. And the reason was because they were one of the only companies who put the flavor of their kombucha in their first ferment with their initial tea. Oh. So a lot of other places, like, oh, I'm trying to think of the one that's in Eastern Oregon, um, um, kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They will just add juice to it after, um, which is fine. I mean, it, it just makes a different flavor. Adding the herbs to the first ferment just gives it more depth and it's more herby and more of a clear flavor to me rather than it just being kind of covered up with a lot of juice, I guess. But that's just my personal preference. It's more difficult to flavor Kombucha in the first ferment with herbs and spices because the ferment um, having the scoby and stuff in there can kind of change the environment of your ferment and sometimes there's herbs that can cause problems with that and so Brew Doctor really has that down to a science and has really nailed that that side of fermenting. Um, We do have an ebook on our website uh, about kombucha and I go over how to do that if you want to flavor your first ferment. So when you're making kombucha, you basically make a sweet tea and you're using sugar in most cases. That would be the traditional kombucha sweetener is sugar. And then Mm -hmm. you're using usually a black tea. You can use green tea um, or other teas, but the standard is a black tea. And then you let that ferment with the starter tea in your SCOBY, which is your mother for the ferment. And then when it's ready, you can either just drink it like that. Or you can do what's called a second ferment. And you put that first ferment into a bottle with a airtight top and your flavorings. And it sits out for two or three days. It's going to depend on the weather and how warm it is. And that'll kind of flavor it. And then you strain it and drink it. Um, so as I mentioned, if you're going to add spices to the first round of things, it gets a little it's more advanced, I guess, option of flavoring. But if you're just going to flavor your second ferment the more simple way, you would just put the herbs or the fruits, either dried or fresh fruit. Uh, And the reason we're using fruit is because there's sugars in that. And so it's going Mm -hmm. to give your kombucha a little more spunk and more food so that it gets you more bubbles. So there's certain fruits that'll make more fizz than others. Our flavoring packets have different varieties of fruit. So like our um, strawberry mojito one is probably one of our more popular ones. That's the one that my husband likes. It has strawberries in it, but it's got um, lime powder and I think uh, mint. I'm trying to remember which one. And that one, oh, and hibiscus. Um and it mm-hmm. turns it kind of pink because of the hibiscus. And strawberries do okay. Um, dried fruits will usually, let's say they probably do better than a fresh fruit because it's more condensed. The sugars are more condensed when they're dried. Mm. Uh, but there's people that grab frozen fruit out of their uh, freezer and just plop that in there. And you can really experiment with, you know, if you have 10 bottles, you can do each bottle a different flavor until you just find one that you like. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is,
0: this is great. And this has inspired me that maybe I need to try again. I should give up
1: no nope, don't give up quite keep yet going.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm gonna keep trying i keep a you know because i do still i do like to buy kombucha my current like favorite like what brand to buy is rowdy mermaid out of um oh, colorado of uh-huh. and yeah they he he wanted to develop a kombucha that his three or four year old daughter would drink and so it, it has uh-huh. a and he uses lots of herbs and has I I like I don't really do caffeine so he's got lots right. of caffeine free versions which I love but I keep a mm-hmm. I keep a list on my website of the kombuchas that my favorite kombuchas so it's ever growing but I gotta start brewing it on my own so right. you've inspired
1: me yeah. I'm gonna
0: try again keep everybody updated
1: yeah don't give up it's a lot more affordable I mean, you can brew yeah. three gallons for the price of a six pack. <laughs>
0: Seriously, yeah, yeah, it it adds up very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. that is great. I'm also as you've described all these, you know, different pieces and things that you do, you know, maybe there isn't a typical day in your life, but I'm wondering what some of the kind of different, you know, pieces what life on the farm looks like some. You mentioned earlier, you know, your husband, you know, coming onto the business full time, your your kids helping with some aspects. Kind of what does it look like? Are you outside? Are you blending? Are you shipping? What what does a day look like?
1: Yeah, um, we do a lot of all of the things. They're probably more structured days than I like. I like the wide open freedom, which was what was appealing to um, being our own business. But. You know, you need order in order to get things done. So we do have a schedule, thanks to my husband. (laughs) He's the more orderly (laughs) one. So we usually get up an hour or so before the kids and we have some quiet time to kind of wake up without people yammering and you know rushing around doing things Um, and then we wake up the kids and have family prayer time and then the older boys they head outside Um, the older boys we only have two boys the two boys who are the oldest (laughs) Um, they head outside (laughs) and they let the chickens out of the coop and feed the chickens and feed the sheep and the goats and kind of take care of the animals out there and head inside and by then breakfast is usually going and then after breakfast we kind of do a few things around the house and we homeschool. And so it's time for school in the morning. And when my husband came home, it's kind of a funny story. Yeah. Um, let's see. March of 2020. So right before the pandemic hit, he gave his notice at work because our business was growing so much. I really needed some help. I couldn't take doing the farm and homeschooling for kids and the business that was growing um, all by myself. So he'd, we took the leap. We weren't quite replacing our income yet. And he gave his notice and his boss talked him into staying for a month instead of a two-week notice. And so he did that. And we're going through in the pandemic hits. Well, he was an outside salesman and nobody wanted anybody around their offices, you know. So mm-hmm. the salesman became desk salesman because it couldn't travel anywhere. And eventually they didn't need that many people in the office. And knowing he was leaving, they laid him off. <laughs> oh, And so... <laughs> We it was actually good. We had that plan because he probably would have been OK. If he was there quite some time. And so he probably wouldn't have been the first to be let go. But um, we kind of got the confirmation that we were supposed to take this full time. And then it just kind of went berserk from there. So when he came home, he started teaching the boys who are in high school, um, their homeschool. And I teach the girls who are in lower elementary and so we kind of split in the morning and separate everybody into their little groups and do school. And then when people are done with school, the girls usually have some free time to play. And I'm working on emails or projects. Um, I go do the secret sauce at about 11 every morning to get everything ready for mail. So the morning's kind of us focused on mail. When the boys are done with their school, they head up to the tea studio with my husband and they do all the blending and the packaging and all the production up there. And I'm actually pretty hands off with the actual product until it comes time to secret sauce, kind of check the orders, give them their sticker and their little goodies and tape them up. And then I we kind of trade who takes them to the post office, but then they go out. And then we spend the afternoons uh, working. It depends on the time of year. So in the fall, we're a lot busier with tea. And so a lot of times it'll be all business in the afternoon again. Um, in the spring, we slow down um, quite a bit from Christmas time and we do our outdoor projects. This actually works really well because gardening season is kicking in. And so we're spending a lot more time in a greenhouse or in the garden or projects outside. Um, and then I have I do the marketing side of everything. So the marketing and the kind of leadership of the people that we have helping us and the um, just all the business organizing type stuff. So I'll do a lot of that in the afternoon, including like blogging. And there was some other thing. I can't remember all the things. <laughs> so that's kind of how our day goes usually i mean every day is different like this week has been kind of different all over the place (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: yeah no that's great and you've mentioned a couple times like the the tea studio is is that just kind of a, a dedicated spot that's set up for mailing and do you blend the teas there what all happens in the tea studio space
1: Yeah. So when we bought our little farm, we didn't have a garage and we started blending tea in my kitchen, which is pretty small. I think our house is about 1400 square feet. So when you're in it all day, it seems like it's a lot smaller. than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So we would blend tea in the morning between lunch, our breakfast and lunch. And then in the afternoon between lunch and dinner, we would have to clean up in between everything, put everything away, um, figure out where to store all this stuff. And eventually we decided we really needed a garage and so my husband actually quit his job twice he quit what one- Three years before 2020, um, when was his final, <laughs> final time quitting. Um, mm-hmm. And we took our retirement fund and cashed it out. And we built a garage onto our house. And then we added an upstairs to that garage. And so we have about 600, maybe a little bit more than that square feet above our garage, where we blend our tea. And that's what we call our tea studio. And then currently, it's starting to take over the garage also. And so mm-hmm. we're looking at expanding yet again into a shop on our property which will hopefully give us enough space for a few years anyway.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's great to have that continued growth that to have growing pains is yes, a is right. a
1: blessing <laughs> and a curse. <laughs> growth is good, growing pains are a real thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and then, you know, I I ask every every guest these next couple questions. What is one of the pieces of, you know, your job or life that's kind of oddly satisfying. It could be mundane or really basic, but for you, it's just, you know, you really get energy from, you know, doing this kind of specific task.
1: Right. The secret saucing, <laughs> <I> could probably <laughs> tell. It is, it does get kind of uh, mundane, like in during Christmas time when there's, I don't know how many we shipped out in one day on our busiest day, it was like 80 boxes or something. yeah wow. you know, I'm, Basically, autographing all of those, and you know, your hand starts to hurt and it can get a little daunting. But I really enjoy it because I feel like I'm writing a friend, and that doesn't mean that I talk to each one of our customers on a daily basis or even at all. Um, But some of them, they do, they write back, they send me emails and reply to our weekly Wellness Wednesday email. And we built a few relationships with some of our customers. I just feel like I'm really sent, even though they're ordering it, I feel like I've I'm sending them a gift and I know that they'll get excited when they order it and when they get it. And that is just encouraging to me and makes it a lot fun, even if my hand starts hurting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's super cool. That that connection that every time you're creating and yeah, there's nothing like getting a package in the mail, especially one that's going to be beautiful and right. be filled with delicious, just life giving things. Right. So true. That's Happy so cool. mail.
1: Mm -hmm. especially as our world gets more digital there's this craving for something tangible and I think Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot more work to send something to the mail like a letter than it is to send a text or email but it means just that much more I think a lot of us get more excited about a handwritten card in the mail than we probably get from a text or an email
0: oh yeah for sure that's why yeah I've been enjoying doing these you know card exchanges through you know the cards that my friend created because it's Mm -hmm. just it's so fun to kind of count on like oh like this you know month I'm gonna get I know I'm gonna get a card I know I'm gonna send a card and it just it's it's so much more tangible than the everyday kind of email text exchanges
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and something about that tactileness that we don't get on the computer or just you know like the presence of a person is a lot different than you know like you and I are chatting it would be a lot different if we were hanging out having coffee right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah totally not coffee. It's our yeah, coffee. tea. <laughs> tea.
0: We'd, be, we'd definitely I still be having tea. tea. I, used
1: to be a, I used to be a coffee drinker and I still think coffee shop because there's no tea shops. <laughs> Not anymore. There used <laughs> to be tea vomit.
0: <laughs> well, on the note of tea, I, you know, it's it's especially fun when I get to talk to, you know, someone who's actually in tea. But do you have a favorite tea, you know, either one of your own blends or it could be, you know, someone else's that you purchased you have a couple you know that you just gravitate toward on Mm -hmm. a more frequent basis
1: right yeah i'm pretty habitual i'm not too experimental you know despite that i make lots of different flavors i'm usually making them for somebody else so not always Mm -hmm. for myself um when I want something a little bit lighter, tends to be like my nighttime tea or maybe something um, refreshing. I usually go for our farmer's wife, raspberry. It's a green rooibos um, and mm. it's just an herbal, very lightly fruity. It doesn't actually have raspberries and it. it's a raspberry leaf um, that's in there. It's got a little hibiscus. And so it's kind of like on a verge of a green tea without the caffeine and without the astringent part of the green tea. So that and then... Um, we have a harvest berry tea, which is one Mm -hmm. of my favorite fruity ones because it doesn't have any extract in it. All the flavor comes from the herbs themselves. And when I created it, I, my goal was, it was kind of a challenge. I'm going to look around me and see what I can use that's local and in season. At the time we were, um, we had a lot of blackberry leaves. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, you understand that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah we we hadn't got our goats yet we had a lot of blackberry leaves so we actually went out clipped all the blackberry leaves dried them crumbled them and made tea with them and that's the base of this tea we don't do that anymore we Purchase the uh, organic. We no longer have blackberries because we have goats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but then we use uh, Mount Hope Farms Aronia berries in there. Those are local. These are all in season at the time I was making the tea too. And um, we started off using a local apple. We've since moved to a little less local apple and the tea from California. And I'm forgetting so There's a little hibiscus, so that wasn't local or seasonal, but it helps pull out the berry flavor. And so that one's really good. My absolute favorite, though, because as I just mentioned that I used to be a coffee drinker. When I met my husband, I was on a coffee only diet pretty much. <laughs> um, and I couldn't keep drinking it for health reasons. And so I made a coffee replacement line, And that's my favorite. I, it depends on what didn't get sealed in a tea bag, but I'm usually drinking plain Jane, not coffee. Um, our hazelnut coffee is probably my other favorite. The other two knot coffees we have has some extract in them. And I just prefer to skip those for myself because I have some, um, unique allergies. So our knot coffee line is definitely my favorite. It's a bold, thick coffee replacer. Um, it's got herbs in it that are really helpful to the liver and it's detoxing and it takes a cream and sweetener really, really well. So you can totally make it taste like coffee. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man, those sound delicious. I've tried the harvest berry, which is amazing. Yep. I still have some. Laura at Mount Hope gave me some. Oh, she yeah. was like, you got to try this, <laughs> and that one <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So I definitely drink that one. But yeah, I got to try these, these other options. I'm drinking the tropical... Um, Tulsi sweet tea right now that's Ooh, one of my favorites and I love the color of it it's yeah, so beautiful
1: that one's seasonal right now and so we actually have a wait list for that it'll probably be coming late spring um I haven't got okay. a date for it yet but yeah
0: wow I didn't realize I had something that was you know you wasn't even available special. right now yeah, there's a wait <laughs> list for
1: that. we have a few we do that with a lot of them are Christmas teas that just aren't really applicable to the rest of the year some of the Christmas teas we've left up because they are so popular but if you have any coffee drinkers listening and they want to learn more about how to switch to tea we actually have a free coffee drinkers guide to loose leaf tea that has my full story in there about why I quit drinking tea and we kind of talk about all the issues people might have with drinking coffee and why there's those issues and what to do about it and how to switch over
0: oh interesting that's super cool i'll have to link that in the show notes that sounds um i get people since i've never switched away from coffee but i right. get coffee drinkers asking me how do i switch to tea right. and i'm like well i haven't made this <laughs> switch i just have always i never liked coffee i just Very have only cool. done tea yeah. so that
1: sounds that great makes it easy yeah yeah um we actually have Probably a good percentage of our customers are, you know, switching off coffee or there's some reason, you know, they can't have caffeine or um, they they drink coffee in the morning, but they can't at night. So they're looking for tea at nighttime, mm-hmm. um, lots of different reasons. So that's why we wrote the guide and to help people kind of work through that because just like I can just smell coffee beans and I still feel that kind of addiction come back and mm-hmm. you know it's just always seems to have a hold and so it's really hard to get off of it and find something because tea tastes so much different than coffee so it's really hard to transition mm-hmm. there
0: yeah no that that sounds like a great guide so our last section tips and dregs and again always fun to do with a tea person um, but you know, with tea tips being the sweet part of the tea and then dregs being the greens at the bottom, we kind of think over, all right, over the last week or so, what was a tip or a high point highlight? And then what was something that was more of a dreg? And I like to start with dregs and then we can end on our kind of mm-hmm. high notes um, and we can go, we can go back and forth. So, um, yeah, and you can start or I can start if you have a preference.
1: Uh, I can start. I had to think about that one for a while. But today we just got new baby chicks. And the reason we got new baby chicks is because our chickens are not laying eggs. And so we're feeding chickens who aren't producing. And so I have to buy eggs. And my drag is that when I go get my grocery pickup, and they go to put the eggs in the back of my van, they have to set them on about 100 plus dollars of chicken food. (laughs) and so it seems a little um hypocritical or maybe that's not the right word just very odd that you're putting eggs on top of layer feed and they're probably wondering why I'm buying eggs
0: (laughs) just very ironic what is
1: happening yeah
0: well hopefully hopefully your new your new chicks will turn into layers
1: yeah it'll take them a while I think I'm trying to remember how long it is I think it's a little less than a year or it might be 18 months somewhere in there okay
0: so yeah, you've got a, got a, a got a while of buying eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dregs. Oh yeah, that's that one. Um, always is uh tough to think of. I guess it's kind of silly, but I essentially gave myself shoulder bursitis. Oh. I kind of, I I a little bit injured my shoulder, like you know, not very much. And then me just being who I am, uh, this surprised no one. But I was like, I'm gonna push through the pain and just keep doing stuff <laughs> oh. that makes it hurt because that'll mm-hmm. make it better. And then eventually it just, unsurprising to anyone else, kept hurting and I had to go to the doctor and he was like, basically you gave yourself bursitis because you just wouldn't rest. And I was like,
1: (laughs) "Mm, okay, Uh yeah, Uh I I could see that. That whole no so, pain, no gain doesn't work with that one, does it?
0: <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't work. Um, So, you know, there we go. So it turned out I needed to just rest my shoulder and take it easy. And now I'm going physical therapy and being guided through very basic exercises. And I'm like, you sure you don't want me to do this when when it makes it hurt like this? And she's like, no, just please stop. Just please, please rest. Like, okay, <laughs> I'll try. I'm not so good at the resting thing. Yeah, so I'm trying to get better. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> so that's been my my drag is getting coming to terms with the fact that I kind of on my own injured my own shoulder and now I need to okay. be very much rested.
1: Uh, that's a drag for sure.
0: <laughs> so how about tips? Do you have a, something that's been a highlight recently?
1: Yeah, that one was pretty easy. I have a new niece that was born this week to my husband's youngest sister. So there's babies are Aww. so cute and tiny and cuddly but she's all the way on the other side of the country and so I have to just enjoy pictures oh <laughs>
0: that's so sweet I actually I guess it would it could be a bonus tip but I got to um go and hold my um my friend's new new baby he's a month old oh. and got to hold him outside and it was just so precious uh-huh. um so little and cute and uh-huh. yeah it's really sweet so yeah that's a that's a great tip. Um. My other tip would just have to be that I've, um, you know, because it doesn't involve my shoulder a lot. I've just been able to fit in quite a bit of walking. I I rearranged my schedule that I could kind of do all my... I try to do mostly phone calls versus Zoom meetings because then I can be then I can be outside. And so this Mm -hmm. week I I felt really happy with how I arranged my schedule and I got to uh, walk like five miles almost every day and I got all my calls done. So I was productive. And so it just felt like such a win win to get outside, get to talk to people, also get my work done. And so it just felt good. And it's been so sunny and surprisingly warm in Oregon. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) I'm I feel like I got to take advantage of it because at any moment it might be like, you know what? You guys deserve a little, a little cold snap again Uh before spring. So it might
1: be coming. It usually does that.
0: (laughs) It usually does. I was looking through my like one line a day journal and I'm like, it's got to be coming. This happens every time we get lured into this false sense
1: of spring and then Mm -hmm. it, then there's something shocking. So I'm going to enjoy
0: it while it's here.
1: You know, last year was that ice storm on St Valentine's yeah Day.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was wild that was it was so it was like 60 degrees out this year and somebody reminded me like hey my phone reminded me that a year ago it was the ice storm right. and I was like really?
1: Wow yeah. it's wild that's a difference. <laughs>
0: Well, this has been so fun to get to learn more about you and your story and your family and get some kombucha tips. I just, this has been great, Cian. So thank you so much for coming on the show and hanging out with me. Yeah, I've just had a great time and I'm so glad that you could join
1: us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Thank you for joining today, strangers. I so appreciate you being here and I'd love to hear from you about what you thought about today's episode, what inspired you or your tips and dregs. You're always welcome to tag at Corner on social media or send me an email at hello at Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episodes. If you're feeling extra generous, I'd love for you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about us, or support us on Patreon. Your support helps us grow the show and keep tea and story hour going. As Uncle Iroh says...
1: While it is always best to believe in oneself, a little help from others can be a great blessing.